If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of September 18, 2022. The podcast that reaches critical at room temperature. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's try summate the news of the bogus. We've seen some dumb Twitter censorship before, in one case so bad it affected the presidential election, but here's one where the stupidity reached its highest point ever. They engaged in censorship to stop someone from silencing a dead person. Because it was gonna stop seances or something? The dead person in question is Queen Elizabeth II, and so we're now in the reign of King Charles III, and I would just like to say how glad I am that our forefathers dumped a bunch of tea in the harbor so we wouldn't have to put up with all that crap. But don't worry, King Chuckles, it's nothing personal. We feel that way about all heads of state. But apparently it was personal for Professor Uju Anya of Carnegie Mellon University, whose tweet regarding the deceased queen was so horrible it was deemed, quote, an attempt to harass, intimidate, or silence someone else's voice. Somehow, I don't think the British royalty is going to be intimidated or silenced by anyone anytime soon. But amidst the outpouring of grief for the loss of a political, religious, and cultural leader, there were also those who were critical of Britain's legacy of violence and exploitation. And among the most extreme of them was Anya's tweet, which read, I heard the chief monarch of a thieving, raping, genocidal empire is finally dying. May her pain be excruciating. Yikes! But as distasteful as the tweet was, it was a criticism of a political leader which represents an opinion that should be allowed to stand. And certainly people have said worse to others without Twitter batting an eye. But as Stanford Law professor Evelyn Dueck said, quote, it does highlight the power imbalances that can often exist in the way these platforms treat powerful figures. Often people in power get allowances because it's in the public interest. But people don't for criticizing them, even though that's often clearly in the public interest, too. Anya's tweet got worldwide attention when it was critically retweeted by Jeff Bezos, who said, This is someone supposedly working to make the world better? I don't think so. Wow. Bezos had the right idea. Counter the tweet with criticism and shame, not with censorship. But Anya, whose native country of Nigeria knows all about the horrendous history of British colonialism, held fast under criticism. Quote, If anyone expects me to express anything but disdain for the monarch who supervised a government that sponsored the genocide that massacred and displaced half my family, and the consequences of which those alive today are still trying to overcome, you can keep wishing upon a star. The real problem, of course, is the specific reason given for the censorship. First of all, there's the obvious absurdity of not wanting her to harass and silence a dead person, but second... This isn't something that's generally used to protect royalty. Twitter's online help center says, quote, In order to facilitate healthy dialogue on the platform and empower individuals to express diverse opinions and beliefs, 
We prohibit behavior that harasses or intimidates, or is otherwise intended to shame or degrade others. We consider abusive behavior an attempt to harass, intimidate, or silence someone else's voice. But how is this facilitating dialogue? It's preventing dialogue. Dweck said, quote, Unclear to me how the Queen is going to be intimidated by that tweet. Surprised they stood by it, actually. It's stupid to think that British royalty could ever be meaningfully silenced or their social media people prevented from using the site. It's doubly stupid to think that they would be silenced by criticism from an academic. It's especially stupid to worry about them silencing dead royalty. And one wonders how long after death this policy applies. Could an American or a Scotsman be censored for insulting and criticizing George III? If you're looking for a way to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand ads, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to follow the link to odyssey.com to listen to the podcast and see all of my YouTube videos as well. Just watching videos will produce cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. And since Odyssey is always monetized and never censored, you'll have no problem seeing all the videos from your favorite creators. You can also use the library credits you created Odyssey to tip creators and even purchase paid content. Earn library credits through various rewards, including daily view rewards and the number of shares and invites. And you can interact with creators in all sorts of ways, including like and dislike, comment, boost a post by supporting it, repost it, and share to other sites, all while earning crypto for the creator. Easily monetize yourself and your favorite creators using cryptocurrency without advertising. Use the link below to visit this channel on odyssey.com and see many of your other favorites there as well. Update on a story from way back. Those of you who are here for our coverage of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial might be wondering about the guy who started it all, the one who fired the first shot, Joshua Zeminski. It was something the prosecution kept trying to deny in the Rittenhouse trial, and likely they wouldn't have prosecuted him at all if it hadn't been for the public outcry about it. While prominent media outlets and the Twitterati continued to tell outright falsehoods about the case, Zeminski had been set free on $13,000 bail. He had been set for trial January 31st, but, well, there's been a few delays. Basically, Zeminski and his wife Kelly went on a crime spree that got them seven felony charges each, including felony armed robbery, felony armed burglary, felony false imprisonment, felony intimidation of victim, felony ID theft, and misdemeanor battery when they tried to rob a Kenosha man at knife point. Zeminski himself has also been charged with felony bail jumping and his wife with probation hold. This is on top of the pending charges, which were felony arson, disorderly conduct, misdemeanor use of a dangerous weapon, and obstructing an officer for his role in the rioting and lighting a trailer on fire. Zeminski was caught on video firing his weapon into the air just a few minutes before Rosenbaum's attack on Rittenhouse. Another video on Kelly's phone shows him tossing a lit match into a dumpster and asking the crowd for lighter fluid. Zeminski went uncharged until after five months of public pressure and community backlash on DA Mike Gravely. In this latest complaint, Zeminski, his wife, and an unknown accomplice went to the apartment of an unnamed man. 
Kelly asked to use the bathroom, and when he allowed her in, and when he allowed her in, Zeminski and another man grabbed him and said they'd kill him if they didn't give him all his money. They beat him and put him in their truck and forced him to give up his ATM pin. They tried several locations but were unable to draw any money. He was eventually able to escape at a gas station and call the police. The fact that Kenosha prosecutors didn't want to do anything to him, but went all out to not only charge, but completely defame Kyle Rittenhouse, should tell you everything you need to know about them. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age, so go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world, and they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. Okay, this one's actually pretty cool. Coinbase has begun to integrate into its app information on elected officials and their grade from A to F on crypto policy. The grades are, quote, based on publicly available data, including legislative records, media statements, social media posts, and more. The app shows the politician's score, plus any notable statements they've publicly made, what bills they may have sponsored or co-sponsored, as well as links to their website and or Twitter. You can also find out about local town hall events. It also includes a built-in way to contact your Congress critters to encourage them to support crypto policy. Over time, they also want to give pro-crypto candidates a way to solicit donations from the community. In crypto, of course. So far, the only two Fs are Elizabeth Warren and Brad Sherman. No surprise there, but a lot of them remain unrated. Co-founder and CEO Brian Armstrong said on Twitter, quote, Crypto advocacy is very important for our mission of increasing economic freedom in the world, and Coinbase will do its part to help. But the crypto community is much bigger than Coinbase. Hopefully, we can all rally to engage elected leaders and drive sensible policies. The crypto community is becoming an increasingly large constituent. As they roll it out, users of the app will get a notification when it's ready on their device. In a blog post, the company said, quote, in the next few years, legislation and regulations will be developed that will help shape the direction of our industry for the coming decades. In this Congress alone, more than 50 bills have been introduced aiming to shape some aspect of the crypto regulatory landscape, and policymakers are just getting started. Which is what worries me. The best regulation is no regulation. Hopefully this can have a positive effect or at least mitigate the damage most politicians want to do. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? 
If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins, and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary-aged children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's Eye Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And now it's time to subpetulate this week's Biggest Bogan Emitter. And it's another one for the FBI as Special Counsel John Durham unseals a motion in limine regarding the false statement of Igor Danchenko. Russian-born Danchenko was the primary subsource for the infamous Steele dossier, and in 2021 he was arrested and indicted for lying to the FBI, including information that led to the FISA warrants on Carter Page, as well as all of the phone calls he supposedly had with Sergey Millian, which he knew never happened. Million has always denied being a source. Now, the motion in Lemonade provides a lot of new information about this, but the biggest revelation is that Danchenko was on the FBI's payroll as a confidential human source from March 2017 through October 2020. Crossfire Hurricane was just bogosity from start to finish. There was no evidence of Trump-Russia collusion, Trump-WikiLeaks collusion, or WikiLeaks-Russia collusion. Apparently, Russia doesn't need to collude with anybody to do what it does. But as these claims were proven false, the FBI went to greater lengths, such as the bogus targeting of Michael Flynn for a Logan Act violation as we covered. The FBI made Danchenko a paid CHS in March 2017, just before the third FISA warrant, which allowed them to work directly with him and protect him and the Mueller special counsel from revealing sources and methods. Nice. Want to hide bad behavior? Hire the guy doing it! One example of his astounding lies became known as Pissgate, the unbelievably bad lie that Trump had Russian prostitutes urinate on a bed in the Moscow Ritz-Carlton where Obama once slept. Million denied being the source, as does Bernd Kulin, then general manager of the Ritz-Carlton. The motion says, quote, the above-described evidence concerning the Ritz-Carlton allegations is highly probative of the fact that there was never such a phone call between the defendant and Million, given that the Steele report containing those sexual allegations was dated June 20, 2016, over a month prior to the defendant's alleged call with Million. To state the obvious, it would be impossible for Million to confirm the Ritz-Carlton allegations and other information to the defendant in June 2016 because the defendant repeatedly informed the FBI that the first and only time he allegedly communicated with Million was late July 2016. But bluntly, these facts demonstrate that the defendant could not keep his lies straight and that the defendant engaged in a concerted effort to deceive the FBI about the sourcing, or lack thereof, of the Steele reports. Durham also plans to introduce, quote, evidence that the defendant on multiple occasions communicated and emailed with, among others, 
Charles Dolan regarding his work for Steele and Orbis, and, quote, evidence that proves that Dolan was aware that the defendant's reporting was part of a related project against Trump and that this work was being done on behalf of Steele and Orbis. And you even have Danchenko back in February 2016 telling a former employer how to fabricate sources, quote, The more sources, the better. If you lack them, use oneself as a source, Istanbul, Washington-based businessman or whatever, to save the situation and make it look a bit better. When Steele relayed information to the Mueller special counsel about the meetings between Millian and Danchenko, they knew it was false. And yet, Mueller's team deliberately hid that information from the FISA court and the public. And they kept Danchenko on as a CHS for years. Million himself won't be a witness, as he's currently abroad and has voiced concerns for his safety, saying he doesn't trust the FBI. But there's enough evidence absent his testimony to more than prove Danchenko was always lying, and the FBI knew it all along. Durham also indicated he'll be introducing evidence of investigations into Million, Dolan, and Steele. As flabbergasting as the extent of Danchenko's lies was when his indictment was released, the revelation that he was also a CHS should call into question the integrity of every single one of the FBI's current and recent investigations. And that just has to make the FBI this week's biggest Bogani matter. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot TV, anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot TV. And now let's re-identify this week's... Idiot And this week it goes to a woman named Tiffany Shea Gish, because there can be few things dumber than threatening a federal judge without even trying to cover your own tracks. The Texas woman has been arrested for making death threats against Judge Eileen Cannon, who is overseeing the court battle between Donald Trump and the Department of Justice over the appointment of a special master to independently check the documents the FBI seized from Mar-a-Lago. On several occasions... Gish contacted Cannon, claiming to be a U.S. government official working with nuclear weapons, leaving threatening voicemails on September 1st. Fair warning, there is going to be a lot of profanity here. Not from me, but because I'm reading from this criminal complaint verbatim. When Gish left the voicemails, she didn't even attempt to hide her phone number, which ends in 6374 and is therefore known as the 6374 cell phone. 
The rest of the number has not been publicly released. At about 1.45 p.m., Gish left a voicemail which said, quote, Hi, yes, this message is for Eileen Cannon. This is Evelyn Salt. I'm in charge of nuclear for the United States government. Again, Donald Trump has been disqualified long ago, and he's marked for assassination. You're helping him, ma'am. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to let you disarm fucking live nukes off your coffee table. How about you sit on an electric chair a couple times over? You think you've got the magical ability to pop up from the dead? Pretending that you're on the team of justice. Again, I told you he's disqualified. He's marked for assassination. And so are you, you stupid bitch. Stand the fuck down or get shot. And guess what? I'm also Trump's hitman, so consider it a bullet to your head from Donald Trump himself. A few hours later at 4.55 p.m., she left another voicemail saying, quote, Yes, Judge Cannon, listen, my name is Evelyn Salt. I've been trying to get in touch with you. I'm in charge of nuclear, and your fucking bullshit in your little court means absolute dick. My authority exceeds the POTUS, and what you're trying to pull is obstruction of justice, as this motherfucker is responsible for 9-11. Again, you're full of shit, and I'm going to fucking have you shot myself. I've already ordered snipers and a bomb to your fucking house. Yeesh! Did she say Trump was responsible for the 9-11 attacks? Yes, she did, and she gives more details in her third voicemail, left less than half an hour later, quote, Lady, my patience is up. I'm a federal fucking agent. I've been slaughtered to hell and back for three fucking decades after Donald sold my nuclear fucking arsenal and decided to slam it into the World Trade Center. You fuck up one fucking thing for me after going through hell on earth, including be stuck on... unintelligible. I'm going to grab my license to kill, I'm going to take my ass to fucking Florida, and I'm going to personally throw a bullet to your fucking head in front of your kids, or whatever the fuck you've got that's important to you. Do you understand my authority? You stand the fuck down. Cannon forwarded the voicemails to Supervisory Deputy U.S. Marshal Michael Witkowski, and they tracked down Gish's phone number and Facebook page, the latter of which made reference to herself as Evelyn Salt, a nuclear expert, as well as Trump stealing her nukes and using them to commit the 9-11 attacks. The marshals contacted the Secret Service, who confirmed that the cell phone and the moniker Evelyn Salt both traced to Gish. The Secret Service had also been aware of previous threats she'd made against Trump. And just in case you think she's a partisan nutcase, in another filing detailing her history of delusional behavior, she also threatened Hillary Clinton on Facebook, quote, Personal cantoy killery? Come over here, you chicken shit disgusting bug infested. You get the idea. I have a bullet just for you. Bring your best. This, she said, was in response to Hillary attacking her with radio waves, which forced her to masturbate. You know, I try to write absurdist comedy, but even I can't compete with stuff like this. So they went to interview Gish. Initially, she refused to allow the agents in her home, which is the one sane act she actually committed. Then she agreed to speak with them through a window. Bad idea. Never speak to government officials without a lawyer. And eventually she let them inside. They spoke for 45 minutes, 
during which he admitted to leaving the voicemails, that the phone and Facebook account were hers, and that no one else besides her has access to either one. So they arrested her because what else was going to happen at that point? The other filing also mentioned several run-ins with law enforcement who noted, quote, reasonable cause to believe that the defendant may presently be suffering from a mental disease or defect, rendering her mentally incompetent. Raising the question of why wasn't something done earlier to get her treatment. So they're recommending a 30-day commitment for a comprehensive mental health examination and possible treatment before she really does become a danger to others. And really, this is just a silly story I had fun prepping, but in reality, I hope she and anyone else suffering from mental illness gets treatment that lets them live normal lives, maybe even happy ones. But at least let this be a message that, even if you're a lunatic, you don't have to be a stupid one. So all of that makes Tiffany Shea Gish this week's... Idiot Well, that wraps up this. I remember the last time you had a party. I found you face down in a puddle, wearing a pointy hat and singing a song about goblins. Edition of the Bogosity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please go to donate.bogosity.tv for several ways to support and discord.bogosity.tv to join the discussion. Subscribe at Patreon or Subscribestar and you can listen early and ad-free. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Oscar Levant. There is a thin line between genius and insanity. I have erased this line. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now.